All right, Alexander, let's talk about local elections in Britain. And uh, conservatives uh, did not do well. Labor did not do well. Uh, who did well? Yeah. <laughs> who did well in these well, elections? Well, to answer your question first, the, the, the standout winners in these local elections, which is something you're not going to see much, be, much discussion of in the British media, which is overwhelmingly backing Keir Starmer, by the way. But the outstanding winners were the Greens. But before I go into that, can I just say that this, these local elections confirm what we've been saying for some time, that Britain is stuck in a deep political malaise, that the British people are not impressed by the politi their political class and they're turning their backs on them. Now, I haven't seen turnout figures... But I've heard reports the turnout was very low. Maybe, maybe it wasn't. But let's look at what happened with the Conservatives. They lost over a thousand councillors. These are, you know, local representatives. That's a very large number to lose. But also look at what has happened in terms of their vote share. In 2019, the general election, which Boris Johnson won and which in which the Conservatives gained their 80-seat majority, the Conservatives polled 43.6% of the vote. They're now down to 26% of the vote. They've crashed. They are deeply, very unpopular. They're extremely unpopular, more unpopular than they've been since the last days of the last Conservative government before the Blair landslide of 1997. People have turned their backs on them. They don't like Rishi Sunak very much. They're not impressed by Rishi Sunak. They think the Conservatives have betrayed all their promises on Brexit. They're doing very badly. But is Labour forging ahead? The answer is no. The share of the vote that the Labour Party got in the 2019 election was 32%. It's been increased to 35%. This is a marginal increase, given how deeply unpopular the government is. And I have to say, I think that vote share almost certainly overstates Labour's support altogether. Now, Labour won about 500 council seats, which you would expect given the size of the Conservative collapse. But other opposition parties won even more. And the, Greek, the Liberals won around, four, won around 400. The, the Green Party, which has come from nowhere, won around 250. So the Liberals and the Greens together won more council seats. They won a more, there was a bigger swing to them than there was to the Labour Party at a time when the government party is so unpopular. And the Greens are winning in very interesting places. They won, they're winning strongly in cities with large student populations, where young people, you know, they're always young people, always attracted to the Greens. But they're also winning in rural areas, places which historically used to vote Conservative, 
they're starting to gain ground there. They've won one local authority, control of one local authority. They are clearly on the move and they are outflanking the Labour Party. They are beginning to attract the political energy that at this stage in an electoral cycle, with the government this unpopular, ought to be going to the main opposition party, the Labour Party, but which conspicuously isn't. Now, can I just say, about that 35% that Labour got, remember that is less than the 40% of the vote, vote that Jeremy Corbyn, you know, this person who's so discredited, won in 2017, and it's only marginally above, as I said, what Labour got in 20, uh, 2019, and it's the same as what Labour got in the local elections last year, and it's about the same as the amount that Labour got in the local elections, the last time there were local elections, which was in 2019. So Labour is stuck. It's stuck with an unpopular leader. It's not attracting support to anything like the extent that it needs in order to be confident of forming a government. We are heading for a situation where it's likely no party will hold, have a majority in the next British Parliament and where um, the Greens are starting to gain increasing amounts of support and traction. What kind of Greens are we talking about here? Are we They're talking like Germany type of Greens? Yes, <laughs> short answer. They're exactly the same. I mean, they used to be slightly different, but they're increasingly becoming like the Greens in Germany. They are obviously climate change, fervid about that and all that. They're very, very pro-EU. They're very, very uh, Atlanticist. They support the war in Ukraine, all of that. The, the, the reason that the Greens are doing so well, in my opinion, is because there is no countervailing party on the right. Farage is around, but he hasn't yet reconnected with his old party, the Reform Party. And the result is that that, hasn't really breaking, that isn't really breaking through. So political energy is slipping towards the Greens, who, in my opinion, are no alternative at all. They're just more of the same, but they come with an anti-establishment, rebellious uh, you know, look, because they're not part of the establishment parties Conservative and Labour, both of which are deeply unpopular. Right. They have the branding. They have the branding. That follows them. They, they have the, the branding. green branding, yeah. The green branding, the green brand. They look new. They, they, they look unconventional. They're young. That appeals to young people. You know, climate change, all of that, all of those things, environmentalism, all of those things, very attractive to young people. They, young people used to vote Labour, they're now migrating to the Greens. Yeah, but yeah, the Greens are more establishment than, than yeah. Labour, it yeah. seems. I mean, at this point in time, Absolutely. at this point in history, the Green Party is, is more establishment, more neoliberal globalist than even the, the, the Tories or, or Labour. Well, I, I mean, well I would, I, what I a disaster. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't say that they were more 
pro-establishment than the Conservatives and the Labour Party are, because that under, understates how globalist, neoliberal <laughs> and Atlanticist the Conservative and Labour parties have both become. Remember, Sunak, as we discussed when he became Prime Minister, embodies globalist capital. And Starmer is no different. And, you know, on, on every single set of policies... To be, to be entirely frank, Conservatives, Labour, Liberal and Green, to me they look the same. But as you rightly said, the, the Greens have the flashy new brand and for that reason, in the absence of any genuine alternatives, some votes, that, that they're, they're attracting increasing numbers of votes, especially from young people. Yeah, it reminds me of Macron. Yeah. It is. It reminds me it's of exactly. Macron. But instead of one person, it's a party. Yeah. It's exactly, it is exactly the same. And the fact that you see so many people in Britain, you know, trying to find a party that they can vote for, which is different, tells you how deep the malaise in British politics is. The, the Sunak has failed to rebuild the Conservatives. I mean, you know, there was a lot of talk a few weeks ago that he was, you know, making the Conservatives more popular, doesn't look like it. That Though I ought to say that a 9% lead, which is all that Labour has over a government this unpopular, is a very small lead indeed, and I would expect it to, to, to shrink. I mean, there will, there will inevitably be a swing back to the Conservatives from some people who traditionally support them. There always is. So it's going to be a tight election in that respect. But nobody likes the Conservatives. Very few people like the Labour Party, apart from, you know, the North London neoliberal people who are very voluble, but not that many in electoral terms. The Greens have managed to win over young people in the, way, the same way that they did in Germany without being, in reality, any different. And frankly, what the Liberals do nowadays, I have absolutely no idea. I mean, they have some presence in local government, but I don't think anybody takes them very seriously as a contender for power. So we have a country, Britain, that is drifting. Um, last time a government was as unpopular as this one, which was in the 1990s, there was Blair... And everything was set for a Labour landslide. We're not going to get a Labour landslide this time. Before then, back in the 1970s, when there was an intense turning away from the Labour Party, conditions were set for Margaret Thatcher's sweeping victories of the 1980s, which, as we know, ch changed Britain. There's nothing like that happening, happening this time. Uh, Britain is stuck and is adrift. Yeah, adrift towards where? Well, that's, nobody that's knows. I'm wondering, where, where, no. where is this all ending up? Where is this all going? Oh, well, I mean, can I just say, it's drifting at the same time as there's a general sense of decay. I mean, I, I talked to you about the other day that, you know, shops, at least in my part of London, I mean, other parts of London, it may be different, but in my parts of London, increasingly short, increasing shortages of things you're finding it very difficult to uh, 
fine things. You remember there was the egg shortage. That's never been resolved, by the way. There's <laughs> still problems finding eggs. Um, certain types of potatoes. I mean, this is Britain, bear in mind, you know. Potatoes are an absolute staple here. Um, certain types of potatoes, you can't find them anymore. They, they also seem to have vanished. Uh, every, prices of everything, are uh, food prices are rising. And people talk about a cost of living crisis. What's making it worse is the taxes are rising too. And quite possibly we'll start to see energy prices start to rise again um, in the autumn. So things are going steadily worse. No one has any ideas about what to do. And the British public are not impressed by anybody. So we're drifting towards what? Nobody really knows. Perhaps at some point someone will come, will appear who will manage finally to pull things together and turn things round. But at the present time, there's no sign of that. And the further we drift, the more into an irretrievable downward spiral we risk getting. Yeah, I, I have the sense that, uh, that the globalists in power that are really running the show, they understand what's happening in, in Britain and they know that there's no real political leadership or political alternatives and I think they kind of like it like that. I, I, I'm afraid Because you're... I guess the ultimate goal is, is fifth, what is it, 15-minute cities and CBDCs yeah. and I think yeah. they're just saying, you know, let's, let's just move towards this direction and we'll just swap out a Sunak with a Stammer and by the time everyone knows what's going on, we'll, we'll have our 15-minute cities and our digital... Uh, pound and you know the people won't be able to do anything anyway I'm afraid, I guess that's that's uh, their big picture I'm afraid you, I'm afraid you're absolutely right because of course even as as I said we get all this sense of decay and no real sign of any of the political class addressing the real problems the country faces all of these things that you're talking about are continuing to happen I mean the mood goes on getting ever more authoritarian the, the, the controls continue to be tightened up all the time. And, of course, we have all these false debates going on. I mean, you know, if you lead, read sort of supposedly left-wing newspapers, I mean, you know, they got themselves very worked up about the cost of the coronation and all of that. And there's been a lot of, frankly, I think, rather rude abuse of the king. Well, you know, if you want to be a Republican, that's fine. But is this the, really the most concerning thing at a time like this in Britain? I wouldn't have thought so. But, you know, it, it, it fills the news columns, the printed columns in the newspapers, something you could talk about instead of talking about real problems. And in the meantime, things get tightened up, tightening up all the time. They get, life is getting harder for people, but the mood goes on getting more authoritarian and controls continue to tighten. Yeah, well, he is the, the great reset king, I guess. That's, that's the way I look he at really him. Is. So it, it, yeah. it does seem very symbolic that, that he's the one that's going to be king because he is someone that has championed all of these things. Absolutely, yes. In the past. So. Absolutely, yeah. Anyway, there we go. That's, that's kind of... Kind of
that that's the state of Britain today. It's sadder than I have ever known it. But they still have money for Ukraine. Oh, of course, absolutely. I mean, that's, <laughs> anyway. that, that's, that's yeah. the one thing they're all agreed on, the Greens as well, of course. Of course, of course. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering who's going to be uh, Britain's Annalena Baerbach. <laughs> well, I think who's, who's that going to be? I think, I think there's lots of possible candidates for that role. I mean, you know, the Greens, um, I mean, their one MP is a person called Caroline Lucas, who is, doesn't have quite the extraordinary personality that Baerbock does, even though, as I said, I don't think politically she's that different, but uh, she doesn't have anyway. So we say um, Baerbock's capacity to shock in quite the same way. But, you know, plenty of others, I'm sure, waiting in the wings, ready to take to take over. All right, we'll uh, leave it there. The Duran.locals.com. We are on Rumble, Odyssey, BitChute, and Telegram, and go to the Duran shop. 10% off. Use the code GOODDAY. Take care.